Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. Well, I wanted to start just by giving a framework for thinking about mental health as Christians. Uh, In any given year, the World Health Organization says one in four people worldwide will experience mental health issues. And it's only increased by being in isolation due to lockdown, especially for our young people who can't see their friends anymore, go to school or play sport, and who are stuck on Zoom much of the week. And as we are painfully aware, this can exacerbate or trigger things like anxiety and depression in our young people with feelings of uncertainty, fear, worry, nervousness, feeling overwhelmed, indecisiveness, a loss of energy, decreased thinking skills, irritability, changes of appetite, sadness, even suicidal thoughts. All of this is to say that you and your young people are not alone. Why? Because mental health issues result from living in a fallen world. Things like anxiety and depression were not present when we walked with God in the cool of the day, nor will they be present in the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus removes all mourning, death, crying and pain, as we see in Revelation 21. So things like anxiety and depression are a reminder that we live in a broken world. And things like anxiety, though they can actually be a gift to us, in warning us of danger as part of our fight or flight response, such emotions are inevitably twisted and mental illness can still be a highly stigmatized topic in the church. For those who don't struggle, it can be hard to understand. And for those struggling with it, it can make them feel far from God. So it's important for all of us to know that mental health issues in the most part are not you or your child's fault. Like the man born blind in John 9, verse 3, it isn't a punishment for your sins or your children's sins. Some even, some even say that such mental illness is caused by a lack of faith. So it's also important to know that suffering from mental health isn't a sign of a lack of faith. In most cases, mental health issues are more appropriately categorized as medical issues that need support and professional assistance. If it's pouring rain, there's no point in denying reality. The rain is falling, you're getting wet, that's a fact. When it comes to mental health struggles like depression and anxiety, the feelings are real and need to be acknowledged, even for Christians. The scriptures affirm the reality of terrible feelings. One third of the Psalms can be categorized as Psalms of lament. Psalm 88, the one that ends darkness is my closest friends, includes lines like, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death in verse three. In fact, some of the greatest men and women of faith have struggled with mental health. The famous Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon said, um, accepting fact as our, uh, the fact of our feelings with clarity and profound empathy, he said, the mind can descend far lower than the body. For the mind, there are bottomless pits. Reader, never ridicule the depressed. Their pain is real, though much of the evil lies in their imagination. 
it is not imaginary. Mental health issues result from living in a fallen world and the scriptures offer us a true account of our feelings. And this can help us because our beliefs are like a map of reality. Our beliefs are like a map of reality. Telling ourselves to calm down or not feel anxious won't last for long. We need a more robust framework than this. And I think we would all agree that our beliefs determine our response to difficult things. You could say our beliefs are like a map of reality. As one author, Stephen Covey, points out, each of us has many maps in our head. We interpret everything we experience through these mental maps. We seldom question their accuracy. We're usually unaware that we have them. We simply assure, assume the way we see things is the way that they are. So if we work on our underlying beliefs and improve them so that they focus our life in a more Godward direction, our feelings and behaviors will in some cases, in many cases, follow. And this is where the gospel comes in. The gospel means we don't have to have it all together. At the primary level, we need to remember that our relationship with God is not dependent on our performance, but on God's grace to us in Christ. So when mental health comes, our first reaction doesn't need to be the common story we tell ourselves, there is sin and I need to stamp it out, or I'm unworthy, or I'm a failure, but rather it's so hard some days living in this fallen body, but God loves me and knows me and graciously holds me in Jesus. Our identity isn't defined by how we feel, but what God says we are through Jesus. Uh, we need to change um, what if thinking to so what God still loves me thinking and fight the urge for perfection and self-pity. In fact, we can say more than this, more than just that we live in a broken world and we don't have to have it all together. The gospel means God is using hardships for our good somehow, both in uh, 1 Peter uh, 6 to 7, where it says we can rejoice in trials knowing that God is testing our faith, that it might be strengthened. And in James 1, it says that we can view our sufferings with joy, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So in trials, you could say God is digging wells in our lives from which he will one day provide deep springs of faith. Our success in God's eyes isn't looking like we have it all together. Having a strengthened faith in the midst of trials is progress in the eyes of God. Sometimes just holding on is progress in God's eyes. And this helps us, as one author put it, to recognize that all comes from the hand of him who is too wise to err and too loving to be unkind. And so this causes us to see the world through a much more thankful lens. So the gospel means God is using hardships for our good somehow. The gospel also means we can share one another's burdens. God understands us at our lowest point. Jesus has taken up our Psalms of lament and prayed each one of them. In Gethsemane, he voices Psalm 88, where he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in Matthew 26. On the cross, he bellows Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus hasn't remained in heaven to call out what if, he has descended to the depths to say me too, to call out I understand and I still love you. As the suffer, as you suffer, um, or your young ones suffer the effects of mental illness, 
we can remember the nearness of Christ. As Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So rather than telling someone everything will get better, we can say me too. Here is true friendship, climbing down into the pit and sharing the burden. This is what Jesus did for us, and it's what we can do for our young ones too. We can notice them when they're feeling down. We can invite them to share how they feel, just as we share our struggles with them. We can pray for them when they don't feel they can pray for themselves, pray about uncertainty with and fears, your confidence that God is in control, your praise for the way you see God at work in them for their good, and your desire to see people turn to God even through hard times. We can have hope for them when they no longer have hope for themselves. And just as we would take them to see a doctor if their body wasn't well, we can come with them to see mental health professionals when their mind isn't well. My dad did this when I was struggling with depression. Now, I didn't understand what I was going through then, but I knew he was with me through the darkness. Jesus said, me too, so we can say this to our young ones as we carry their burdens with them. And what a friend we have in Jesus. And more than this, in Jesus, we also have a future. The gospel means we have hope. As someone who has struggled with depression in the past, I can say it feels like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, no hope. The Christian has something incredibly precious in the face of suffering, true comfort, not founded on wishful thinking, but grounded in the nature of reality. In the midst of the pain and uncertainty of life, let's remind our young ones that only one thing is certain. Jesus is risen and he will take us through the valley of the shadow of death and into feasting and joy with him. What Jesus did with his own suffering, he will do with ours. He will transform it. What does our hope look like? A place where depression and anxiety and broken relationships and mental health issues are no more. Just joyous reunions and face-to-face communion with the Lord who has loved us to hell and back. This is our future. It's coming. It's more certain than sunrise. And therefore, we can have hope. There is a mountaintop joy, a future worth living for, healing and peace. And it all comes back to Jesus. He's the one who understands our feeling. He's our truest friend. And he's the one who secures our hope. And we will forget these promises and what God has done for us sometimes. And so will our young ones. So we need to preach this hope first to ourselves, like the psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 5, where he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And we need to keep reminding our loved ones of these things too.